Welcome to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com, dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. Serving leaders, managers, and people who will be, helping you reach excellence in your work and achieve your personal goals at the same time. Sign up for the free course at clearandopen.com. I wouldn't even call it anxiety anymore because it's when a defense system is using the anxiety as a tool. It's frozenness. It's a no. But when it's so looming like that, that it stops all action, then I would look at it as a defense, not a wound. Hi, it's Joseph, and thanks for tuning in to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com. Last week, we talked about how most of us tend to use excuses to not just avoid real change, but subconsciously self-sabotage our lives. Today, we're going to dig even deeper into the language of excuses and why we should endeavor to replace our excuses with, quote, incuses. More on that later. And hey, listen up, we've got a brand new live course that started September 12th, but it's not too late to join. I really don't want you to miss it. It's the Accountability Path 2.0, How Surrendering to Truth elicits radical responsibility. In the new eight-week course, I'll be teaching you a five-step path to create a culture of accountability in your organization. This tool is quite simple and straightforward, but knowing how to use it takes a deeper level of understanding and practice. This course will serve you whether you're a manager or an employee, an owner or whatever, it will change your whole life if you let it. We'll be delving deep into the topics like vulnerability and control, authority, projections, and all the invisible problems that get in the way. I'll give you practical skills that anyone can learn, practice, and apply. If you're a leader and you know the difference that individual and collective accountability can make in your organization, or if you're an individual looking to step up and own your power and impact, then this is the course for you. For more information, please visit clearandopen.com slash accountability dash path dash two. That's the number two. Again, clearandopen.com slash accountability dash path dash two. Thanks so much for listening. Let's start the show. I have a CSR that does that to me. And I mean, you would think the store was burning to the ground. And now I look at my phone and I really won't answer it every time she calls because I don't feel like it's that urgent. I don't get voicemails. I don't get a text follow-up. I get nothing. And I will hang up the phone and 10 minutes later, I get a call from this person. And I mean, she will call every phone in the office, my cell phone, everything. And when I call her, it is something that does not need to be addressed right that minute. And I uh-huh. don't really know how to have that conversation because well, that is part of... But, well, I mean, I do. I can be very straightforward, but I hate doing that. And I know that's me, right? That is me. Look how quickly that happened, right? All I said yeah. was one word, bullshit. I can do bullshit. that with you, Tony. I know, I know you know yourself that well. And I don't know how. There's the, that's an excuse. I don't know. No, it's, I do know. Um, so what's, what's really in the way? Some of it is her, her longevity with the company. And I, so? I don't... I, I, I know. It's really... There's no excuse, to be honest. No, no. I know Listen, all of you guys have been using this one recently ever since I sent that email. There, there's, there's no <laughs> excuse. Hold on, hold on. This, the, the, there's no excuse is almost always an excuse. Yeah. So let me talk about that for a second. An excuse <laughs> comes from the Latin ex causa. It's an externalization of cause. 
That's what an excuse is. The cause is somewhere other than me. So when there's excuses happening, the only way to get underneath the excuse is to do what I call an incuse. I'm pretty sure I made up that word. An incuse is looking for the cause internally. So what I notice is, and this is on my famous list of excuses, I think there's 60 or 70 now. When people get called on their excuses, sometimes they'll pull out a very fancy, clever excuse called, there's no excuse. (laughs) Brilliant. So it's a movement from, okay, I'm not externalizing the cause anymore, but I'm not internalizing it either. I'm just saying there isn't an excuse. Nothing to see here. These aren't the droids you're looking for. Very clever. You're not done. It's not responsibility until you look inside. Same thing we were talking about with Greystone here about finding the internal cause. What actually is causing me to not have this conversation with this person? Well, I know I'm supposed to. There's no excuse. No. What is going on in you? That's an incuse. What's the internal cause causing you to not hold an employee accountable accountable when you know that's what is called for? What's the reason? I I don't like conflict. I'm uncomfortable with it. Okay. And what is your relationship to discomfort? Because you think that uncomfortable things are okay to avoid. I really, I have a bad habit with that. If it's, if I avoid it, it's not happening. Bad habit is an excuse. A habit (laughs) is just a choice you make unconsciously. Or I just do it. Um, I don't, I really do. I am the type of person that I, I push things aside. And if it's, I don't pay attention. It's not there. I'm the type of person is also an excuse. It makes it sound like there's some structural thing, like I'm five foot ten, therefore I can't, you know, dunk a basketball. It's that's not what it is. Why do you avoid conflict and discomfort? I, I, I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I don't know is actually on the way to the real answer. I don't like it. Okay, you don't <laughs> like it, but you know just. What is your relationship to discomfort? Like I said before, your behavior says discomfort is something to be avoided at all costs. Mm-hmm. What do you think about it? I can't answer. I don't know how to answer the question of what my relationship is with it. But Sure you do. What are your values around uncomfortable things? I don't know because I avoid them. <laughs> That's what your behavior says, yes. But what do you think? What are your values about it? You know, you, you've never started a nuclear war before, but you probably have some opinions and values about it, right? Yeah. So what are your values around doing uncomfortable things? I don't know, because I feel like if I say anything, it's an excuse. So I don't want to... That is also an excuse. <laughs> I know. I have I have really bad anxiety and I don't wanna I don't wanna feel the discomfort that it gives me when I have to handle these situations or cause anybody else any discomfort. So Okay, great. So you have a belief that uh, that discomfort is good to avoid because it causes anxiety in yourself and others. I guess. Okay. Is that true? I feel it is. Does it always, does, does having uncomfortable conversations always produce anxiety in yourself and others? No, because at some points having that conversation does, you know, result in positive outcome. Is it possible that it could produce anxiety in yourself and others and produce a positive outcome? Yes. So what's wrong with the anxiety? I don't like the feeling of it. Oh, okay. So 
Is it true that everywhere in your life, when you don't like a feeling that is produced, you'll avoid the situation entirely? As much as possible. Okay. So like, do you exercise? Oh, uh, not anymore. <laughs> Have you ever? I did. I'm eight months pregnant, but I did up until I mm. found out. But yes, I yeah. did regularly four days a week. Okay. Do you find exercise entirely comfortable and a good physical feeling the entire time? I didn't when I started, but I got to that point. Oh, so what you're saying that something that starts out feeling uncomfortable, <laughs> but produces a positive result, with yep, some practice can become comfortable and produce a positive result. Oh, okay. That's interesting. So some of where I was kind of going with this is I get those phone calls because you were talking about it and just reverting back to Greystone a little bit is I allow, I used to allow people and I still do to a certain extent to call me for these things and let it add up and get overwhelmed and get disorganized because I don't technically say no. And I try to give like a a roundabout answer and then I get overwhelmed and I don't accomplish everything. There's your recipe. Great. How's that working for you? Not great. Mm -hmm. Not great. What do you want to do about it? What do I want to do about it? I first of all have to learn to have those conversations, be uncomfortable because we go back to the conversation that we've had with you is making others uncomfortable to get answers, right? I can't do that if I'm uncomfortable doing it. Wait, time out. So, you, you can't make other people productively uncomfortable if it's uncomfortable for you to do it? I can, but I'm, I have to get myself to that point to, to be in that situation, I guess, is what I'm saying. Well, hold on a second. Let's just carefully examine this. You just said... I can't make other people productively uncomfortable, sort of my words, but that's what we're saying, unless I'm comfortable doing it. Is that true? That you have to be comfortable having those uncomfortable conversations? I don't have to be comfortable. I just have to make myself do it. Okay. That's different because that's not what you said. And the reason I jumped on that is because that's the same thing as, as saying like, I can't do this thing until I don't feel fear about doing this thing, which is usually not true. Courage is being uncomfortable or fearful about something and doing it anyway. And I wanted to jump on that because that was your shadow talking saying, yeah, as soon as I'm comfortable having these uncomfortable conversations, then I'll do it, which will cause you to wait forever, which is what you've been doing. Mm -hmm. And that's the story. That's what's just there's one part of you that sees the need to have uncomfortable conversations. And there's another part of you that's like, oh yeah, as soon as we're comfortable doing it, which is why it's not happening. Mm-hmm. Because there's a lack of courage in relationship to discomfort because you're letting your anxiety run your life. Which, you already, which you already know. So yeah. do you know you, the only way to change that is to prove to your anxiety and your defenses that you can bear it. That you can be anxious and do something anyway. What's the problem? There's only a problem there when you have an idea that you shouldn't be anxious while doing something. That's that's all. Just like, well, it, you know, imagine someone who just started exercising and they have an idea that it shouldn't be physically uncomfortable. You ever see someone at the gym who's like spinning the stationary bike at like, you know, 30, 30, whatever it is, 30 pedals per minute. Yeah. And they're just like, you know, casually reading something and they're just like, 
you know, I mean, if it were a real bike, they might not even be able to stand up. <laughs> so slow. But they've got this story, you know, like, well, they're at the gym and they're exercising. And you're just like, mm-hmm, all right, well, I'm trying not to judge here, but that's not exercise. Yeah, maybe, who knows? Maybe they got recovering from knee surgery or whatever. But, you know, when you see them doing that for like six months straight, <laughs> there's a coffee table book I've always wanted to create that I'll, I'll never do. It's called like Urban Archetypes You See in the Gym. You know, like there's the guy who's wearing camouflage, broadcasting to everybody that he was in Vietnam. There's, there's the guy who only does squats or like cleans. <laughs> there's the short guy who compensates for his shortness with enormously big muscles and incredibly cut. There's, there's a whole cast of characters. It's so fun. Yeah, the only way out is through, and so the that's courage. That's what you're. That's what this is about for you. And then, of course, we would want, we would wonder where else in your life is a lack of courage holding you back. So there's a list of things. Yeah. That. So that's that's what's in here for you. This is all because the opposite of anxiety, or sort of the the bomb for anxiety, is courage. And and so you've been in a polarity. You've been in a um, yeah, polarity, dichotomy, a, a sort of duality of either anxiety is running, anxiety is running your life, and then the the response is, well, I'm I I can't do it until the anxiety is gone. That's it. Anxiety, or and wishing the anxiety were gone. It's a false duality. That's the story. The story is, well, I'm oh my god, I'm so anxious, I can't do anything. Well, I will do something when the anxiety is finally gone. And that is a strategy for never changing. But for me, the anxiety doesn't go away. Yes, and it won't go away. So right. I, that, but that's what I mean. So even though I tell myself I'll do it when I yeah right or something, it's not going to go that's away. That's what I mean. That's why. That's that's how it's an excuse. Mm-hmm. That's how it's a deflection. That's how it functions that way. And I'm not saying the anxiety won't ever go away. And there's things you can do with that. But the yeah. thing is, it's like when anxiety stops action unilaterally that way. I wouldn't even call it anxiety anymore because it's when a defense system is using the anxiety as a tool. It's frozenness. It's, it's, it's a no. So when you think about anxiety, we want it, we have compassion. It's like, oh, you know, and this childhood wounding and all that. Same way with depression. But when it's so looming like that, that it stops all action, then I would look at it as a defense, not a wound. Mm-hmm. Because that's how it's functioning, you know. One one model for that is you could look at uh, it's like the head of the snake and its tail. The tail is anxiety. That's the vulnerable. The underbelly is another way of looking at it. The tail is anxiety, but the head is a no. I will only do what's comfortable. And if you look at it that way, you'll have productively less compassion for it because life isn't comfortable. And you can maybe get a little pissed at the head of the snake because it's hurting your life, telling you, well, I have to be comfortable. I have to be completely fear-free in order to act. Fuck that. That's not working. In some cases, it's reasonable. But at a certain point, you just have to say, you know what? This is a terrifying thing for me, and I'm going to do it anyway. You jump out of the plane. In other cases, that's inner child abuse. 
It depends. You got to feel your way through there. But if there's a consistent stuckness, then bravery is called for. And a therapist will make infinite amount of room sometimes for the, the anxiety and say, well, you know, you only need to act when you're ready. And I would say, well, sometimes, but it comes, sometimes it's acting even though you don't feel ready is exactly the thing that will break the spell. And uh, let's note some of the excuses you were using in review. Uh, I don't know how. Not true. Uh, I can't make other people anxious unless uh, I'm comfortable doing it. I can't make people uncomfortable until I'm comfortable doing it. No. In fact, it's always uncomfortable making other people uncomfortable. That discomfort never goes away. Mm-hmm. You just get bigger than it. So it doesn't slow you down. And your allegiance is to a larger truth of doing what's true, serving yourself, them, and the company. That becomes bigger and more important than this might feel a little bit uncomfortable. You know, there's this great line and uh, makes me think of... Um, one of the X-Men movies, uh, there's a, a quiet moment where I forget who it, who it is. Someone asks Wolverine, does it hurt when they come out, when the, when the swords come out of his hands? He says, every time. I love that moment because it's like you think of Wolverine as this you know, heroic, super strong guy who's like invincible, but his mutant power is not the adamantium in his bones or the sword things. That was all done to him. And it was done to him because he's a healer. His mutant power is not that he doesn't feel pain. His mutant power is that he heals fast. So he's constantly in pain. That's the real heroism of Wolverine. He's constantly in pain and he goes forward anyway. And then what a metaphor. Every time he fights and makes those swords come out of his hands, it hurts. Just the same way it would you and I if we were to cut into our own knuckles. Must hurt a lot, right? But he does it anyway. That's why he's always kind of a little angry, kind of gruff, because he's in constant pain, constant chronic pain. That's the heroism of Wolverine. Totally inspiring to me. Bearing the trauma that was inflicted upon him and trying to do something good with it, even though it hurts him. Thanks for listening to Manage to Engage, the clear and open podcast. Join us next week when you'll be a little bit closer to who you're destined to be. Until then, know that Clear and Open is dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. If you want to help the show grow, I'd appreciate you leaving a rating and review on iTunes. All you have to do is open the Apple Podcasts app, view the full description of the episode, and click the link to leave a rating and review. Or you can go to clearandopen.com review and it will bring you to the right place. If you're looking for more support on your journey, head over to clearandopen.com for even more tools, articles, and free resources. Thanks so much for listening. Bye for now.